Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I'm very excited to introduce to you uh, Coach Jim Vance. Uh, Jim is um, an Olympic triathlon coach. Uh, he is also the author of two very popular books, Triathlon 2.0 and Run With Power. Um, and he is the head coach of Formula Endurance, which is a juniors program uh, designed at feeding uh, the Olympic pipeline for the triathlon program. Um, and um, we have uh, had a ton to talk about. Uh, our coaching philosophies, uh, philosophies on training, on, uh, on athlete mindset overlapped uh, a lot. And you might be uh, uh, interested uh, and surprised to find out, as I was, that uh, the the preeminent or one of the preeminent voices uh, on uh, on running with power um, and the power of those metrics uh, describes himself uh, as a mindfulness coach, um, and that how we use data should be in a way that it enforces um, uh, and and builds up an athlete's mindset. Uh, and perspective. And so when we, uh, when we look at performance data, when we look at individualized uh, metrics from a particular workout or, or race, um, we should be using that information to, uh, to show an athlete uh, improvement um, and, and the gains that they've seen through their commitment to, uh, to their training and use that as a tool to build up uh, a positive mindset uh, and to build up a positive perspective. So um, really interesting lens that, we, uh, that, that Jim uh, suggests we look at uh, metrics uh, through, and it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that I believe very strongly in uh, as well, is that the, the data should support um, should support the athlete, uh, and it's only as good uh, as its ability to inform the decisions we make uh, about the daily um, uh, progression that uh, that an athlete uh, takes. So um, we also talk about the role of athlete happiness, um, and that uh, happiness and satisfaction are two of the most important things uh, for Jim when it comes to working with uh, with his athletes at, at all levels. And so um, want to make sure that. Uh, that the training uh, and our commitment to to realizing our full potential uh, is uh, leads us down a path of of happiness, uh, and then it really adds value uh, to our lives. And at the end of the day, um, that's that's why we do it. And as 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 coaches, um, that's something that we should be paying very very close attention to. So, um, tons of great topics uh, uh, that Jim and I. Uh, touch on and uh, everything from the role of e-racing uh, in endurance sports and and what that might look like uh, in the future for cycling and for running um, uh, to uh, mindfulness happiness um, looking at self-sabotage and the role that that plays in, in our performance uh, and our ability to execute on any given day um, and uh, how we can work to be kind to ourselves uh, so that we can remember why it is uh, we're doing uh, what we're doing and why it is we're, we're committed. So um, uh, I, I'm excited for everyone to listen to this conversation and, uh, and, and see the nuance um, in, in uh, uh, a well-respected coach like Jim, um, see the nuance in his approach and, and how he uses the tools uh, at our disposal. 
uh, to, to make the most of his athlete's experience. Um, as always, enduranceminded.com. Um, that's the new um, uh, site for the podcast. We're working on uh, our web presence uh, there and making that a more interactive experience for our listeners. I encourage everyone to go visit the site. Uh, you can interact with, uh, with our episodes um, uh, as well as uh, there is a uh, comments section at the bottom of the site. So please log on uh, again, enduranceminded.com and uh, leave comments. Let us know uh, what you want us to talk about, uh, guests that you'd like to have on, ideas that you have for the show. Um, at the end of the day, this podcast exists to be a tool for athletes to use um, to, uh, to be, uh, to be more secure, stronger, more resilient athletes. And so I want to make sure that we continue to do that. So, uh, please go to the website, uh, and let us know what you think. Also thomasendurancecoaching.com as always for anything that we talk about on the show. Um, our blog, always a great resource. Uh, and you can, uh, reach out to a coach. We offer a free 30 minute coach, um, uh, introductory call. Um, you can log on to thomasendurancecoaching.com to take advantage of that. Now is the time of year to set our sights uh, on the future um, and build a roadmap that helps us uh, get to a place where we realize our full potential. So if you'd like to talk to one of our coaching coaches um, about how we can help you do that, um, that is something I encourage everyone to take advantage of. So uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, please enjoy my conversation with Coach Jim Vance. Jim, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm all right, man. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Southern California. A little bit of overcast, but mid 60s. I'll take it. Yeah, you guys don't have a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I was a as a resident uh, briefly of Southern California. There's there's typically not a lot of bad days, you know. <laughs> no, no, there aren't, and that's good. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had some we had some rough weather last week. I think a little bit of hail and some rain, but it was still fifty degrees. <laughs> yeah, so, nice. You yeah. Uh, do you do you still do uh, kind of the traditional like off season or transitional season uh, indoor work, or do you you are you one of the folks that uh, likes to get out year round and kind of go for broke no matter what? You know, I used to be like anti anything indoors. And then COVID changed that. And of course, you know, my work with today's plan and all the companies that we work with, I, uh, you know, platforms, I started testing them and I kind of enjoyed. So, uh, I, I, you know, and just coaching my juniors sometimes, uh, you know, during COVID was a lot of, you know, group rides, training rides, practice on Swift as a team, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, and, and believe it or not, I can ride with my kids too. My kids, we got, I got their bikes set up in the garage. They love Swift. My nine-year-old, and my six-year-old. So we'll do rides together. That's kind of nice. It's kind of become fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if I have a run, I run outside. But uh, sure. How about you? How about you? Are you like if it's good enough to go out? I'll hear your. Yeah, you know, I am. Um, fr- frustratingly, I think to a lot of the uh, athletes that I that I work with, I, I am. Uh, I really don't mind being indoors and truthfully year round. I mean, for me, it's such a, um, I love the, I, I mean, I, and I, I, I'll just have to admit it. Like I love the efficiency of it, you know, like all of us and just trying to, 
you know, trying, trying to make time for everything and, and, you know, exercise being such a important kind of mental and physical part of my day. Um, sometimes the logistics, um, certainly where I live, um, you know, in Southeastern or Southwestern Montana, we have, you know, pretty big, uh, you know, pretty full iterations of every season. Um, so sometimes the logistics associated with going outside, um, no matter what season it is can be challenging, uh, or just take a lot of time or more prep time. So yeah, I, I, man, I love Zwift. Um, I love the treadmill. Um, <laughs> I love, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, those, those nice days when you're outside, I mean, they're, they're fantastic, but it also really doesn't doesn't like detract from my experience to be inside. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you might, you're, I mean, you're probably similar to me there, you know, you're coming from, um, you know, days of the trainer where you're just staring at a blank wall or right, or listening to your cassette yeah. player or something like that. So now with modern, uh, training technology, it seems like such a treat. It feels like it, I shouldn't, I won't allow myself to complain because I spent so many thousands of hours on a wind trainer, you know, <laughs> staring at a wall. Um, so it seems, yeah, was, uh, it doesn't seem like I should have anything to complain about. I don't know. Is that, you feel the same way? You know, as a runner, cause I ran at the university of Nebraska. So ran cross country and track and there were some harsh winters and days. Like uh, I think I ran on a treadmill once in all those years at Nebraska. And I was like, this wow. is awful. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I, I would rather like I could go to an indoor track and do multiple laps on an indoor track or the indoor football field because I was a steeplechaser. So you know, I'd set up hurdles or you know the indoor football field at Nebraska. I would I'd just run along the outside and I change directions and I would pull the trash cans out and I would hurdle the trash cans. As, in the <laughs> my just just anything to kind of break it up. But yeah, for some reason, you know, my enjoyment on the trainer is just not the same as a treadmill, but I, I, I haven't, you know, I don't have a treadmill, so I can't say that I wouldn't like it on Zwift or some other place, but yeah, man, there's, yeah, it's changed though too. Like, you know, and there's other things besides Zwift. I think a lot of people don't know that. Like there's, there's full gas, there's Ruby, there's a, uh, you know, road grand tour. So, you know, if, if you like real life world, like full gas is incredible. I did this, you know, I've been able to ride some climbs that I'll probably never get to ride in my life, you know, in person. So that, that's been, that's been really cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Uh, RGT is similar. I've, uh, I've done some work with them and, uh, help them develop some training plans and, and workouts, uh, that are applicable to the indoor environment and yeah i mean they a little bit more of a you know if you're like you said if you're looking for that more kind of real world versus like uh vr space there are platforms out there that allow you to kind of engage in that you know a little a little differently at least um yeah do you think the do you do you think that you know we're seeing now you know that that kind of virtual space obviously got its, you know, started with cycling. Now it's transitioning and, and moving into the running space. Do you, do you think it has the same kind of virtue and application in the running space as it does with cycling? Or do you feel like there's, there's, is it, is it different or, or is it just, you know, another endurance sport that allows us, you know, that, that can be applied to these, these virtual platforms? Oh, I think you're going to see even more, man. I think esports in general are, right. you know, not just e-cycling, but like e-rowing. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You can't tell me that what I see and can do on a bicycle, I can't do with a rower, you know, and make that a little more interactive and racing other people or, you know, yeah, those types of things. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that potentially, um, you know, maybe something with like Vasa's and potentially, uh, you know, who knows, but, uh, certainly we're going to, we're going to see a lot more of, you know, uh, creation. I, you know, things like the mirror, you know, that, that new technology that yeah. they have didn't Under Armour buy them, I think. And I, I think I read that or yeah, they got yeah. acquired. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, and they have that with a boxing. I saw one, uh, with a, um, like a heavy bag that, that mm-hmm. keeps, track of your i mean it's, it looks really like i mean that's it's cool technology you know it keeps track of your 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 impact and your you know it quantifies some of the load uh associated with uh with with boxing uh, yeah I, I i agree i don't know and it feels like i mean if nothing else the pandemic is kind of like really, you know, ushered that in even it, it even uh higher velocity than it was going to happen anyway. Um yeah, I mean, is that, do you feel like, I mean, as a coach and, you know, an athlete and I mean, does that, does it feel, does it feel like a positive move, I guess, or, you know, does it feel productive or is it, you know, I don't know, what's your, is it just an evolution of kind of the nature of endurance sports in general? And this is just the current iteration or I don't know what are your thoughts around it. I think, I think there's certainly some good that can come from all this, uh, you know, I mean, look at look at what it's done for the bike industry, what COVID's done. You know, I mean, cycling has exploded. There's like this whole fitness boom that started that people kind of realized, man, I got to do something. And so, you know, where are all these new people going to go? Where, you know, what are they going to do? Well, what's the next thing they're going to buy? What's the next thing they're going to demand uh, when they get bored of something? You know, I like uh, so i think we're going to see a lot of this and uh, yeah the technology is just going to continue to grow and uh you know that i remember the first time i saw zwift was in kona in gosh i don't know it was maybe five years ago six years ago and i said that's stupid yeah (laughs) right you know like yeah why would i want to do that Uh, and i was like like I hate the trainer. I'm never doing that. And now, you know, look at where I'm at. So, uh, you know, I'm using it with my kids and all and everything else, which I never thought I, my kids would be into. But, you know, they're, they're, they, they, my kids don't really do video games so much. My son does Minecraft, my nine-year-old. But, uh, yeah, man, they, they just love getting on Zwift. So it's, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I think there's a real, like the gamification of it is, is allowed for, you know, the engagement of people that wouldn't have maybe classically identified themselves as athletes, you know, it's kind of brought in this engagement from a space outside of, you know, kind of your like diehards, right. Or, um, yeah, which I, which is great. I mean, that's a win, right. I mean, I think, you know, yeah. Think about this. Zwift is probably the largest race director in the world. Right. And yeah, yeah. and does not put on any races physically, but <laughs> like yeah. I, and I may be wrong on that, but uh, I, I certainly have to be in the discussion. Sure, like, I don't yeah, do more races <laughs> online, but they right. really about that. Like they're they're probably the world's largest race director, and yet they don't they they don't have to file any single permit for land or anything like that. So yeah, so yeah, 
it's that's a good point it's it's kind of crazy you know they talk about like airbnb is like is the biggest hotel hotel chain in the world but they don't own any property you know and so it's it's just crazy when you step back and you think it like that like man okay so what what is the next thing that can happen so yeah we live in a wonderful time man yeah and i i think it's i i it brings up a, a kind of makes me think back to uh it's actually in a podcast episode that uh that we did a handful of weeks back and the um part of the conversation was that you know we with, with specific to to 2020 and coming into this year and you know the you know race cancellations and kind of the the nature of endurance sports uh you know and how we've kind of traditionally um you know laid out our um and kind of contextualized our training and the race calendar you know we've 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 lived and died by this this you know these these dates on a calendar that that are not up to us right that's an event organizer that sets those dates and we you know we back ourselves into what it looks like to get prepared for those things and you know rinse and repeat and the conversation was kind of you know went something to the effect of you know maybe that's you you see a lot of people now trying to and for good reason but trying to just you know get back to that same scenario when i'm like maybe maybe it's you know i think we need to leave our have an open mind and realize that this this is a pivot right and it might be so, something that we might maybe we shouldn't be trying to get back to the same uh approach and same mindset and same race calendar maybe it you know there's opportunities for growth um in some other direction that we're not aware of yet. Right. And I think, I mean, Zwift and, you know, e-racing and these types of things, that's a great example of that and a, a facet of it for sure. I mean, you have to, that has to be part of the conversation, but as we continue to, to pivot and evolve as an industry and as athletes, you know, it, it's not always going to look the same, you know, I mean, not saying that there's not a, a place certainly for mass start races and that that's not, you know, a great experience, but it's not going to be the only way we ever do things again. Right. <laughs> um, and sure. you know, this year probably, you know, or last year opened up, maybe opened up people's eyes to, to that. Um, yeah, that's a good I know, point. I know for me, I've been, uh, I've been just looking for what's fun. <laughs> you right. Know, what yeah. can I do that challenge myself and that's different and, you know, like, so, uh, you know, seeing, seeing those types of things like, okay, I want to go, you know, go ride this climb or just go hike this trail or, you know, to, it, just those fun, you know, looking for fun, just uh, like, uh, I'll, I'll go. One of the things I did a couple weekends in a row is I was like, I'm going to go choose three Zwift races in a row, back to back to back and see how I do. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> three different types of races and just, okay, let's see how it is. And, you know, and I would never have thought about doing that. I probably never even would have gone on Zwift if it weren't for COVID. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I was like, oh, let me just find that next thing. And so hopefully like you're saying is we get back to, okay, what's fun? Not, not just, well, I got to sign up for this 70.3 that I always do every year. It's like, right. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, but like athletes ask me all the time, well, what do you, what, you know, what race should I do? Well, what's the goal? What do you want to do? Like, yeah. what, what, what excites you? Like that's like, some, some people are like, yeah, I'm kind of bored of 70.3 in my neighborhood. I'm like, so 
make a bucket list. If you could do any race in the world, what would it be? I don't like Alcatraz. Go to Escape from Alcatraz, man. Like I, I was so motivated for that race, man. Like that was that I did. Uh, I did it in 2019. In fact, I wasn't able to finish. Kind of hurt my back dismounting, um, pretty bad. But man, I was I was fitter than I'd ever been because I was just I was like, man, this is just so unique to jump off that boat and into that water and all those people and and swim like it was beautiful. And uh, it was such a unique challenge that I, man, I was like, this is fun. This is fun. And, you know, I think Xterra, Xterra Worlds, you know, I look at, you know, if I'm going to do a long course race, probably in my professional career that I, that I regret not doing, it's like challenge growth. You know, right. what, what an amazing venue. And every person that I, I know that's ever done has been like, it's the greatest race in the world. And so, yeah, like, that's the thing, like, go seek fun. That's, I have been, I'm, I'm such a believer, Taylor, in if an athlete can get to the start line healthy and, and excited to race, man, I've done my job as a coach. And and it's hard if, if an athlete's bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I'm with you. I, I think, um, I, I mean, it really it kind of, I mean, it falls in line with, you know, what I was just saying, this idea, this is kind of like, you know, it's, it's just this kind of like rote process, right. That so many, you just, like you said, rinse and repeat, right. Where here's the calendar. These are in my neighborhood. These are regional. I'm going to do these races and, you know, and then they, and then when they go away, you know, or they've been, they've been so tied to these events, whether or not they enjoyed them or not, that they kind of forgot why they started doing it in the first place, you know, and that made their, we saw this happen in, you know, last year and, and continues to happen with so many athletes where their, their, you know, kind of athletic identity was really fragile because they had forgotten why it was they started doing it and, you know, and why it made them feel good and why it was exciting to be motivated and to be driven and whether, you know, no matter what that was towards. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you gotta be, I, I'm like you, like, that's the question I'm leading with. All right. Like, what do you want to do? Right. What well, seems fun? Let's let's start there and not, you know, and then don't fill it with a bunch of junk. You know, don't you know, I don't want just because it's a 45 minute drive. Like, is it is it exciting? You know, do you want to is it going to and I always ask the question, like, does it add value? Right. Like, is that going to add value to your training, to your life, to the experiences you have? If you're just going through the motions, like I'd rather you do something else. Right. As a coach, like I'd rather you take that time to either train or like spend with family, you know, I mean, do something that it adds value versus, versus not, which is just, you know, filler jump, you know, races or miles or whatever. Um, agree. Agree. yeah, that's a great, I, yeah, go ahead. I, oh, I was just going to say, so like this summer I was like, okay, we got to get out of this house. And, uh, I had my, we remodeled our kitchen and things and some of the, you know, like, tore out walls, put a beam in. And I was like, yeah, we'll just get away and kind of miss some of the dust. And then I realized, no, no, we got to be gone for a while. So I rented a motor home and drove all around the West, a Western loop of the U S like drove from San Diego to grand Canyon and went all the way North to Rocky mountain national park then back over to Seattle and down the coast. And just my wife and my two boys in a motor home. And, you know, and we were gone for like four weeks, man. And it was just awesome. You know, and, 
living out of that thing and coaching and <laughs> managing a, a home home remodel. It was it was cool, but man, like that's going goes back to what you're saying. Like just that, I was like, man, I got to do something fun and so epic. And it was epic. It was just an incredible trip, you know, Tahoe, Yosemite, uh, Sequoia, you know, Crater Lake, Mount, Mount Rainier, you know, Yellowstone, Tetons, everything, man. We, you know, Zion, we did it all. And uh, yeah. it was just like, man, I'm, I'm so glad I did that. And, you know, and I'm just like, that's hopefully, like you said, man, COVID, COVID can change our mindset. COVID can change your approach as an athlete and to even like, Hey, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I really want to like a lot of people do, do sport for exercise and they think, yeah, it's good for me. But then I think they really realize it's good for their mind. It's good for, you know, just to, there's more than just the physical to it. Right. Sure. And so many athletes only focus on the physical. So many coaches only focus on the physical. It is not about like you can write the best workouts in the world and be the best coach possible in terms of physiology and, and getting training stimulus right. It doesn't matter if your athlete's bored. It doesn't matter if the athlete's not excited to race. It just doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And if the athlete doesn't, um, I, I mean, that you, you just nailed it for me. Like that's my soapbox if I have one. You know, I'm like, you know, that's all well and good. Like we can talk about you know, the exact perfect workout and progressions. And, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't add value, if the athlete's not excited then, you know, uh, the only thing I would, not that that, you know, need to add anything, but like that it, it has to like work into their life, right? Like if it, if it's, if it doesn't meld, you know, more or less seamlessly into the other responsibilities they have, it's going to be boom and bust, right? Like an athlete can't sustain, you know, levels of training and focus mentally and physically, uh, if, if the pendulum swings in the wrong direction for too long. Right. Um, and I mean, that's such a big thing for me is like, great. Okay. Um, I want you to be fit. I want to maximize your fitness. Uh, I want you to reach your goals, but I don't want to do it at the expense of your longevity as an athlete. Right. So I'm not willing to do that if it means we're just going to go, um, you know, full on and, and, you know, max the athlete out for, you know, 20 weeks. And then they're so tired and burnt out and, the, and, you know, their family's sacrificed and every, you know, they haven't talked to their kids and, you know, four months and, you know, and they have to like, they have to, to get back to center. Like I'd rather work to figure out how to navigate all those pieces so that they can realize to your point, like they can realize the full benefit uh, of, of being an athlete, right. Which is the mental aspect. Yeah. You're physically fit, but man, that when you're, when it's firing all cylinders and things feel balanced, uh, and you feel fit, but you also feel mentally sharp, like the benefits of, of being an athlete and and having focused training, they bleed into other aspects of your life. Right. Then you're like, you know, you're kicking ass at home and you're, you know, you're, you're doing good at work. And, you know, all those, all those pieces start to come together when you have that training approach and that kind of mental mindset of being a high performing athlete that is focused on the long term, right. Versus just like, you know, peak and, and bust or whatever. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned the, um, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 you go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I mean, you, you were talking about the, uh, kind of athlete happiness and, and that brings, 
I wanted to, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on just kind of the role of subjective metrics in relation to kind of the data. So, I mean, I'm sure most folks know, um, that you literally wrote the book on running with a power meter. So obviously we're, you know, we're, um, coming from a place of understanding the value of uh, performance data um, and individualized performance data in, in the form of, of a power meter. But how do we balance that? Or what's your take on kind of the role that the subjective and the mood and, you know, mental, you know, kind of mental emotional space, um, what role does that play kind of, I guess, in conjunction or, or in balance with the, the metric side of things? Yeah, that's a great question. The, you know, I think the number one thing that people are probably, you know, surprised to hear about me, is, you know, I wrote two books on data, on data and coaching and training on data, Triathlon 2.0 and Run With Power. And, you know, they really are numbers focused, but, uh, you know, the real thing is that, if you you can have all the numbers and data in the world you want, it, it just it doesn't matter. Like I am, I use data to build the athlete's mindset and confidence. We use data as a way to get them to sh- to see that they're improving toward their goal. Every I truly believe this, Taylor. Every single athlete has a metric. Every, I, I believe every person has a metric that when they hit this metric they achieve it, suddenly they change. And they change, you know, it can be for the better, it can be for the worse. You know, take weight. Take weight, for example. Like, I always knew when I hit 160 pounds, and I'm six foot two, that I was ready to race. (laughs) You know, that's that's pretty lean. My (laughs) wife tells me I just look normal now. You know, and I'm like 190. So, but you could say if I... If I was 300 pounds, I'd probably feel a lot different about myself, you know, when I look in the mirror. So, you know, and that's a very general example. But if you look at it from a training perspective, you know, I'm sure you have this route that you run that is pretty consistent. You know, I had a 10K loop along the beach that I used to always do. And, man, I remember just finishing that and being like, wow, that was my best time. That's the fastest I've run that course in a long time. I really wasn't trying that hard. You know, like that, that metric means nothing to you, but that was my personal metric was my neighborhood run loop and, and my ability and how it felt and how fast I went. And that raised my confidence in my fitness. That made me feel better about all the work I was putting in, which made me want to put more work in and, and trust in the process and be more excited to go in and express that fitness um, down the road. So that's, that's how I use data. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm always looking at the numbers and saying, okay, is this athlete happy with that? Is that an improvement? Does the athlete recognize that that's an improvement? Like so many times an athlete will say, man, that, this workout was a disappointment. And I'll go ahead and look at it. I'll be like, this is your best workout in months, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, oh yeah. I guess, I guess it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah, dude. That's why I use things like, you know, on today's plan and stuff like what we've got, you know, I've got subjective wellness. The athletes tell me how the, how their things are going in their day. 
they log that through you know little numbers and stars. It's pretty simple. But they can also rate workouts so that I know, okay, this athlete felt like this this workout didn't go well. Well, that's one I want to go check out. All right. And then achievements, you know, hey, this is their best for whatever they've done. And so that's it's helped me really hone that in. And I really believed that a long time ago. But it was when when I really started coaching Canute that I recognized. Uh, and for listeners who maybe don't know this, I coach Ben Canute. Uh, coached him pretty much since right after the Rio games. Um, and so, you know, when I started working with him, it really was just getting him to not feel like he had to do so much more. Like I remember when I sat down with him and I asked him the first time, okay, Ben, in 2016, how many races did you feel good at? And he thought about it and he said, two. And I was like, <laughs> two, how many races did you do? And he that's not a very good ratio <laughs> of races going <laughs> good at. I'm like, dude, you do this for a living. You're like, you're doing all your competitors a favor. Stop. Like, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to not do that. We're going to go and we're going to show up to every race and we're going to be ready to perform. And we may, we may, you know, not get the training in that you that you expect but i think i think you'll see better results from it and sure enough he started doing that you know he, i mean I, i'd argue to say ben is probably one of the most versatile and consistent pro athletes in the sport professionals in the sport i mean you look at everything he does from super league to mixed relay to 70.3 to non-draft uh olympic to you know everything in in all those ranges he's he's got got a hell of a range and uh and proven to be very consistent and he knows his he knows his strategy it's no secret to everyone he's going to push the pace and he's going to make every put you know make everybody try to respond from that so you know when i really saw like man he's seeing consistent results we said okay here's the metric that we really want to improve on and it's been his 1500 meter time and some of his some of his workouts on that and once he saw that that improvement, man, it was, it, it just like, it all, it's almost like it ran itself. <laughs> you know, I just got him out of his way and, you know, we've had a great relationship ever since and still continue to have success. But, but yeah, so that's a long winded answer to, to saying, yeah, the data guy really just uses data to, to make sure that the, the mindset is right. And uh, my dad read my book and he says, you know, you're like this mindfulness coach now. And he's like, why didn't you just say, talk about mindfulness in your book? And I was like, uh, cause I didn't know the buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, so, I mean, that's, it's, I mean, you know, that's, that's exactly why like this podcast exists, you know, cause I was like, how do we, I, I mean, I, you nailed it. And I, and I couldn't agree more is that, that, you know, data is only as good as its ability to provide context to uh you know how the athlete is feeling or a lens through which we can we can gauge or monitor um athlete improvement right but it's not um it doesn't it doesn't negate the need to to tap into how how you feel you know in that mood and that su- subjective um 
you know, rating of a workout. Um, I think it's good to, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't, I don't know, maybe find this or not. I do, you, you know, I don't, with Ben, you know, you mentioned Ben, obviously he's a professional athlete and I, I feel like a lot of, you know, kind of age group or, you know, amateur athletes get the sense that, that, um, the professional athletes operate in this sphere or, or outside of the kind of, you know, realm of, of how they move through their day. And, you know, and you describing your approach or Ben, I think it, you know, that's obviously a, you know, uh, one example, but, um, yeah, I mean, do you feel like there's a difference in like, you know, someone like Ben, who's very, uh, in theory, very in touch with, um, how he's feeling on a daily basis and how to give those subjective, uh, feedback metrics versus an amateur athlete, uh, who's balancing, you know, all kinds of stuff on any given day. Like how do how do we, how do we make that applicable to the, to the age group athlete whose job it's not to, you know, to just be a great athlete, right. But they're trying to, to maximize their own potential, on any given day, how do we, how do we balance the metrics and the, and the subjective for those folks who, who may be more tired or more stressed or more, you know, whatever, because of their outside responsibilities in relation to training? Yeah. Well, I think first off, I think, I think it's a lot of people probably uh, are misled in their belief that it's easy for as a pro like that's all they do is train. It's like, right. I had to, I had to tell Ben at the end of, you know, after Daytona where he's a little disappointed, you know, in 20th, we knew that he was capable of better. Um, I was like, Ben, you, in 2020, you got married, you bought a home, you dealt with a pandemic and you had your first child. That's like one of those things happens <laughs> to somebody in a life. That's, that's pretty good. And that's, that was your year. That was your 2020. So, you know, that's a lot, you know, a lot of stress, in, at least in 2020, but even, you know, in general on a daily basis, dealing with sponsor demands, race, race selection, you know, you know, how does planning training. So uh, I think, I think it's, so I don't want, I just want to, don't want people to think, oh, well, it's easy for them. I mean, there's the, they, the challenges are just different um, in that regard, but I think the first thing that you're that you're you're kind of hitting on, Taylor, is athletes have to take inventory in general. Like, how many times have you had an athlete say, "So, how hard should I go?" And you're like, "Dude, I'm not telling you that, <laughs> right?" <laughs> like, right. It's like that's that's for you to take inventory of yourself and go out and execute the workout as best you can on today. And and I don't want to influence what that should be because then that changes your definition of success or failure rather than accepting this as part of the process. This is where I'm at and then I can progress. But, you know, that's why. So my athletes when give me 10 daily subjective wellness uh, 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 ratings, excuse me. Uh, so I get that every day. And if it's below a certain number, I get alerted. And, you know, for Ben, it's what we found was that fatigue when he wakes up, if I get four out of 10 from him, that's generally a day that we're on the threshold. Four stars out of 10 means he's he's pretty fatigued when he wakes up. 
And if that's a recovery day, well, I don't need to worry about it. If it's less than four and it's really light at day or day off, I'm not worried about that. And it's probably something I would expect. But when we're in one of these blocks where we could teeter, that's when we'll talk and dial, you know, dial things in a little bit more. But, you know, just that ability to take inventory and then we've watched that trend over time. I see it also with sleep, sleep quality. You know, when an athlete hits a taper and sleep quality, um, athletes rate uh, their performance on the day, their satisfaction with how things are going. And, you know, and it's real simple. You know, they open up the mobile app, there's their workout, and they just do the ratings right there and it's done. So, you know, I'm getting that constant feedback and I'm tracking that over time. And it's amazing when you see like the ability or just, I mean, there's some athletes where I, I can show them their their performance management chart as people would know it in training peaks. We call it a load chart um, where they see that, you know, that load start to go up or where some of those peak performances are, those best performances, those peak, those, those real workouts where they've, they've performed really well and maybe changed their confidence. You can begin to see that. And, you know, and uh, when you see that, that's, that's when you know what you're doing. And that's, that's the subjective side that I that I love that the ability to see okay, where is this athlete mentally and emotionally, as, as well as physically, because when it, when I've got that, then you know it's you just want to keep them in this sphere of like this may sound real cheesy, but if I call it a sphere of goodness, <laughs> <laughs> I like, when you, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that. I was like that resonates. I can't. <laughs> Stay in this sphere of goodness where, you know, it's like the wind's always at your back on every run you do. And, you know, like when you, I mean, I'm sure you've got stories where you just see like an athlete changes. Yeah. And they're so confident. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that I, that I did, I coached uh, Adam Zuko for a number of years. And, uh, you know, he was a guy, he couldn't break, he couldn't break 10 in, in Ironman. Mm-hmm. And then we we really worked on it, did some things, and he started to have that success where, man, and he, he wrote an email. And this was one of those moments where it really, like, the, my, I switched from focusing on numbers to focusing on the person. And that was, he wrote an email to basically his closest people in his life. And he said, you know, he's going to Hawaii and he'd been to Hawaii, geez, I don't know, eight, nine times. And this, so this is like his 10th time or something, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating. I want to say that it was, it was up there seven, maybe seven times, six times. And he goes, he just says, look, I don't know what's going to happen in this race. He's like, but for the first time, I don't care. He's like, I'm, he's like, I've done everything right. And that to me is the most important thing. And, and lo and behold, what do you think happened? Goes out, huge PR, finishes eighth in his age group in Kona, uh, goes 914 or 916, something like that, you know, has a hell of a day, you know? And it's, it's like, that's when I realized, man, just, I could have, it doesn't matter what I did. I couldn't tell you his workouts going into that race. I just knew that he was ready. I don't remember any of the workouts. I just remember that email and those conversations and how satisfied he was. And he wasn't, he wasn't trying to derail himself anymore. He wasn't worried about failure. He was just accepting, accepted the result that he was going to get well before the race because he knew he was prepared. So, and I think that's part of the issue. Athletes 
they want to take control of everything. I mean, we've got so many type A's. So I'm sure you've got those, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so I, I mean, so when I see an athlete really like in that state where they've changed and they are so confident that they, that they're going to do well, I try to capture that moment. And I, what I have them do is I have them write a letter to themselves. Okay. Like, cause that's what I learned from that. Like he had documented where he was as in his state of mind in that email to all of us. And, and so to me, that was like, man, I, all, all I ever have to do now is show him that email and, and ask him, are you here? Are you like you were then? Cause if he isn't, then he, we got some work to do. If he is, then I think we're good to go. Um, a little story with, with Canute. The very first race that that uh, was 2017. The we were coming off a training camp, and he had just done. He had just done Saint George 70.3, and it was kind of this breakthrough race for him. If you remember, he uh, I think he finished seventh. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Remember. It, it was good. I mean, it was a stellar. Field. Uh, I think it was Alistair Brownlee's first 70.3, and he beat Lionel Sanders and. And third place, uh, yeah, it was it was a heck of a field, like man. And he he came off that. He came into a training camp here in San Diego with me, and and then from and then went to to Alcatraz. And I knew he was going to win that race just by his mindset. Like man, this this kid's ready. And so I bought a plane ticket and, and I went up because I'm like I'm not going to miss this. I know he's going to win. And and sure enough, what happens at Alcatraz that year in 2017? Swim gets canceled. First time ever. Right. <laughs> I remember that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And he's with all the pros and they're all having to come back and, and do the do the you know the start of the duathlon. And he was just like, All right, let's go. Yeah. And all of he said the pros were all looking at him. They're like, you are the Happiest swimmer we've ever seen have the swim get canceled. <laughs> and he was like, I don't care. I came to race. And sure enough, what happens? He crushes the bike, sets the bike course record on the, uh, at Alcatraz, and then, and then runs away from everybody and wins. And so you're talking about a guy who was not known as a duathlete winning a duathlon. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and that's, that's just the mindset. And that, and what do you think I told him at dinner that night with his family? I was like, Hey, got to write a letter to yourself because where you are right now, we've got to have. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's been other moments like that with Ben, um, 2019, 2018, 2018, 70.3 worlds where he got fourth behind, you know, the big three of Frodeno, Brownlee and Gomez. That was that was a big breakthrough race there too, but uh, yeah, maybe save that story for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I think just that you know, so often, I think athletes forget that that you know, kind of that satisfaction and you know that uh, what what did <laughs> I already forget? What sphere of uh, sphere of uh, sphere what'd you goodness. Call it? goodness, yeah. Sphere of- <laughs> Um, yeah, like trying to kind of stay in the pocket lighter, you know, get to that place. That's, 
that's all that that's all that matters, you know. And I, I mean, that I, I think that's great. I, I wonder, you know, because you've sounds like I, I see you've been coaching longer than than I have, but um, you know, we've both been at it a while, and and you know, it's I've I I kind of see my progression as a coach and and some of what you're saying, um, or or all of what you're saying, which is that when when I started coaching, I mean, when I started coaching, it was like, early, you know, very, very early when we were using heart rate, right. It was very early technology and we're making heads and tails of power meters and, uh, you know, and heart rate and all these types of things. And then of course it, you know, keeps evolving. Um, but I was just on the metrics as hard as I could be. Right. I just lived and died by power numbers, right. Or whatever data I could get a hold of. And, and very similar, you know, you were saying you kind of made a similar transition where you're like, um, you know, or, or evolution, I guess, where you're like, you know, metrics are important, but, but it's, you know, how do you feel and how do you, and, um, I'm just curious, like what's, I, I think that that's, that's an, a distinction that I really want to make, you know, whether it's in my own coaching or with our t- coaching team, or, you know, even on this podcast or is that, you know, m- metrics are, are, are great, you know, and data is great and physiology and science and understanding all these things, but it's a balance, right? It's not, it's not polarized. It's not just one is better than the other. One is, you know, if you don't use one or particular day and, um, yeah, like what's like, I don't know, I guess I'm just curious, like, what was that kind of evolution like for you as you move from, you know, someone who obviously, you know, values and sees the, the potential that, performance data and and the derivative metrics from that have to you know into this coach that tries to find this kind of mindfulness blend or you know (laughs) right or you know has their athletes write a letter to themselves when they're feeling really good i mean that's that i think for a lot of people they they'd see the guy who wrote the book on running with power like they probably wouldn't think you're also the guy who's (laughs) having athletes write a letter to themselves when they feel really happy and satisfied um and i'm not saying i think that's kick ass. I, I love that. But I'm just, yeah. Like what's, so how did that come about? And you know, like how did you work to strike that balance with your athletes and your kind of coaching philosophy? Oh, good question. I, you know, I think everyone kind of knows me for some of the success that I've had, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there were athletes who have come to me that we, uh, that we failed. I've failed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and or I've had a combination of both where, hey, at times we were great. And then other times it was like, man, what the hell is wrong here? And I think for for so many athletes that's and coaches, it's, it, you know, so, I, you know, I used to use a platform that pre today's plan that anybody who probably knows knows me uh, can figure out what that what platform that was. And the problem was. I would, I would have this group of athletes that were failing and I'd look at the workouts. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I've set this athlete up for so much success. It should be, this should have been successful. Why not? And come to find out, you know, there's just different things. Um, Jim, you didn't know it, uh, but I get, my kid's got a drug problem. Uh, I got to lay off a bunch of people at my job. My company's going in the tank. Uh, you know, we, we fired somebody and now my load at work is so much bigger and I'm stressed. 
Um, I'm having a, you know, going through a separation with my spouse. Um, uh, I want to lose more weight. I want to lose more weight. I want to lose more weight. Uh, that's, that's generally like, I'm not satisfied with the training because I don't feel I'm, I'm at the right weight. It's like, that's, that's probably not the healthiest way to look at things. But so when I started realizing that there were all these things and I was only seeing data from workouts, I was like, I'm making the, a false assumption that every athlete comes into that workout equally prepared to be successful. And that's just not the case. It just isn't. I recently had an athlete who, man, everything was going great. And he went and did a 70.3 and he could not produce even numbers that were close to what he was doing in training. And I knew that it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't that he was overtrained. <laughs> everything was great. Everything was perfect. I felt like, here we go. Well, he finally just admitted, Jim, I just, I get so tense. I, 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 my thoughts are negative and I just can't produce in a race in that environment. I put too much pressure on myself and I'm like, this is, you know, it's a healthy conversation to have and we need to have it. Um, you know, but it, you know, trying, I thought we had moved past it. Uh, it was pretty clear after a couple of, a couple of races it, I mean, we went from a panic to panic attack in the swim in the first race to no panic attack in the second race. So I felt like we made some progress, but right. <laughs> you know, the bar was a little low. But I think that's that's where I I just realized, man, what I'm doing is I'm missing the boat here. And if I'm really going to be a good coach, and I'm going to be consistently good and really break through, and you know, and 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 you know, at a high level, I've got to I got to find a way to see the whole person, and that's. Later or not, when I started looking around, I found today's plan, and unfortunately, they were a cycling platform only. Uh, but I got to know the CEO really well, and uh, he flew out to San Diego from Sydney, Australia, and spent a day with me. And we went on a long ride together, and uh, here, and just really hit it off. We thought so much alike, and they brought me on board to kind of bring the platform to uh, multi-sport, not just cycling, and. You know, I, they were always big on the subjective metrics and the ability to have that and alert and track it. And and uh, to me, I was like, this this is what I've been looking for. This is it. And yeah, so that's 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 kind of how that evolution and has started and and uh, you know where it is now. Yeah. Do you feel like we're in a? I I think it feels like we're kind of turning the corner. Maybe it's just because I'm forcing it on people but um <laughs> it feels like we're turning the corner a little bit on the athlete side with just with some of that um with an understanding or an appreciation of how valuable that those metrics are right i feel like even a handful of years ago you know it was really hard for me to get athletes to just tell me how they were feeling right and and give me like you know hey let me know in the morning like you know how are you sleeping? How are you feeling? How's your workload? How's your, you know, they were like, it's fine. I'll just execute at all costs. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily what we're going for. Right. That's, that, that <laughs> that's, that's short lived. Right. I appreciate your, your gusto. Um, and that's, we're, we're going to need that sometimes. Right. Some, some days you need to just, you know, you, you got to make it happen. Um, mm -hmm. if it's the right day and, but like not, you know, not, not all the, uh, I mean, do you, it feels to me like, that's just becoming a little bit 
more accepted part of the vocabulary. Like, are you seeing that as well? Or you still feel like we're, we're, I don't know. What's that? What's your take on, or kind of what's your read of the, the general kind of value and importance of the subjective kind of wellness, mental mindset or or mindfulness type, you know, versus just raw data. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think, I think COVID has just, brought the need for mental health to the forefront for everyone. I mean, how do you have some athletes that you've been like, man, I, I just got to make sure they're okay during this time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even if things are going great, like it's just heavy, you know, I mean, it's just, there's just more going on. And, and I, I agree. I think this past year is really bought, brought to the forefront, like how important it is to just, to just ask the right questions to, 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 you know, as a coach to your athletes, right. And the right questions typically are not related to, you know, <laughs> it's not like, you know, Hey, how did, you know, 105 to 108% of your FTP feel right. I mean, that's, that's fine. We can talk about that, but like, that's not what's keeping you from reaching your full potential. Probably there's something else going on. And when you kind of crack that nut, you're like, Oh man, (laughs) yeah, you're really dealing with some stuff, which is totally fair, you know, and we should talk about that. Um, yeah. What I think that's the, that's the thing, man, is, is it's, you've got to look more at the athlete. You've got to, you got to see what's going on with them. You got to learn them. You, you have to learn their world, and otherwise, you're just guessing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, there's enough guesswork, right? <laughs> right yeah, you know, like so. You know, I, 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 I'm very much a believer that you know I've got to learn their world, and you know, and look, athletes are going to evolve. So even what you learn, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I heard you tell me, you know, you've got athletes you've been working with for many years and, you know, I'm, I've got a few of those as well. And, you know, like, but even in a short time, I'm coaching this one, one young lady who's pretty darn talented uh, in the CRP program. And, you know, the, I've learned a lot from her just about how important confidence is for her. And, you know, she, she had some hard workouts that just initially did not go well. And I'm like, what is up? And, she like her stomach would bother her and and come to find out she you know she her mom reminded her hey when you were at your you know your major university running and you used to get nervous and sick before big workouts because you're just so nervous it would bother you and and once she kind of recognized that and got over it and dealt with it and recognized that you know took inventory of that you know her mom was just the barometer that gave her that that observation that made her click in her mind. Oh yeah, that is what happens. So she's like, I gotta, I gotta come into these workouts as I've kind of told her, told her. And I tell all my athletes, don't judge your workout before it starts. Like, don't do that. You know, let the workout be the workout. And she, she recently was re- she's been reading born to run. And I think the line that really stuck out to her in born to run was, ask nothing of running and it will give you everything or something like that. Right. And, you know, and she sends me a text like, Oh, I do not know how this run is going to go this afternoon. Uh, Cause you know, she's pretty tired and things. And I just text her back, ask nothing from running. 
And she was, she just was, gave me the thumbs up. And sure enough, she's like, it gave me everything. She sends me the screenshot of, you know, from today's plan of all, uh, how well it went and all achievements and everything. And I was like, there we are. It's, yeah. It's optional. I love that. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you know, in, in knowing in those moments, learning about them and, and I'm, I'm working to try to give her success in these first few races and, and, and go from there. And it's, it's really going to be about success for her. So these, uh, you know, if, and, you know, think about this, like, uh, I think this girl's really talented. If, if I screw up and she doesn't have success, you know, maybe, maybe she leaves the sport forever <laughs> compared to how bright her future is, you know, and that's, so if all I'm doing, if all I was about the numbers, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd be missing out on everything. So yeah. and especially in a COVID time where I can't be face to face with this athlete, right? you know, uh, you know I've got to have distance and I got to do this safely. And, and things. so that's but, a great yeah, point. I, I, really- I think about that all the time. Like I, that, that as a coach, if we don't help an athlete kind of, understand the role that you know endurance sports can and should play in their life like it could be the difference of them being a lifelong athlete or giving it up right like if they if they have too many negative experiences and 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 i don't provide them as a coach the tools to kind of contextualize uh their workouts and you know their their training and all these things properly there, you can only take so much, right? You can only, you know, have so so much negative feedback before you're just like, well, this isn't, this isn't fun. I'm not, I'm not happy with this. Uh, I'm going to go do something else. Right. That, and, and that, that for me is, I mean, that would be the worst outcome, right? I mean, I'm, I want athletes to realize the benefits of being athletic for the rest of their life right now. I don't necessarily, I don't assume I'm going to be their coach for that time, but I want to provide them the tools that allow them to, to fulfill, you know, and pursue those goals athletically in whatever capacity that, you know, it is for the duration. Right. And so, yeah, like, I don't want them to, (laughs) I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm paying attention and that I'm asking the right questions versus just, you know, blindly, uh, moving forward. And, um, yeah. And hoping for the well, best. One of, one of my in-laws, uh, so my wife, uh, cousin that they grew up with, uh, um, her mom and his mom were single moms with raising a bunch of kids. So in the Bay Area, she's. Um, I think when I met this young man, he was twelve, maybe eleven or twelve. Well, he's now the uh, head performance coach, head strength and performance coach for uh, Kansas Jayhawks men's basketball. So, wow. uh, he's come a long way in a short time. He's only like 20, he's, what is he now? 20, 27, 28. Wow. So yeah, Ramsey Nigem, Dr. Ramsey Nigem now. And, uh, Ramsey has a great saying and cause he does a lot of educating strength coaches too. And, uh, one of the best things I've, I've heard him say was before you fix a guy's squat, ask him his name. <laughs> his That's name. so good. You know? You know, and it's because so many coaches want to get into the technical side, but you know, he, he understood and, uh, he actually had me come. He was the head performance coach, uh, strength coach for the Sacramento Kings before he got the job with the Jayhawks. And, and he had me come up and speak 
at, at a big conference that he had and speak about Canute and what we're doing um, to all the strength coaches that were there. And I learned a lot and met some really interesting guys. And it was, you know, I had to tell all these strength coaches. I mean, it was a huge, huge conference of quite a few hundred coaches. And I basically said, I know you're all, you're all pretty good at coaching squats and this and that. And we want to put together this programming to develop the best athletes possible. What I'm here to tell you is probably the biggest thing of success is going to be whether or not your athletes are happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Right. So work, focus on that part, get to know, them. you know, show them success, have metrics, do testing. You know, if they, if they, if they buy in, they'll be successful. If they don't buy in, chances of success are probably creating limited. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a lot of good lessons there. And yeah, I, I even told them, you know, when, when, uh, cause I was talking to actually some of the staff, the strength staff there at the Kings. And I'm like, you know, when I don't want to say this is when, when Cleveland ups, uh, I think it just defeated, uh, Golden State in the championships, uh, you know, with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I was like, guys, when or no, not no, it was uh, not not Cleveland. Uh, it was Toronto with uh, what's his name? The uh, jeez, I can't remember uh, the star star their star I'm, player. I'm 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 so uh, I'm so bad at um, you know, like <laughs> what do we want to call it? Like traditional sports or something? I, you know, I've yeah. I have my, uh, I have my head, I, you know, I should be more, uh, I should have more variation in my, in my, you know, diet, but it's, it's, it's so uh, endurance sports heavy. That I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the person to ask. Yeah. But the, the main point of what I told them was, I was like, guys, when, you know, they're playing the golden state Warriors, or the, I think had the best record set the, you know, set the record for the best, best season record of all time in the NBA. Like they were so good. Like it came, it was Kawhi Leonard. That's his name. And uh, like when Toronto broke the huddle, you know, in that game seven, like, and it's a tight game or like they, they had to believe that they were going to win, that the play that they drew up, they were going to execute. If they didn't, you know, against the greatest, maybe the greatest team ever, you know, what was their real chance of winning? Like, do you think that like, you can't, it's not just about the X's and O's. It's like, they got to know, yes, I know I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it exactly. And I'm ready for it. So I think just to take that professional sports side and kind of bring it to bring it in. And, you know, that's, again, it's, it's all about confidence. It's all about belief and it's, it's about accepting the result. Like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm prepared. And it, it's like, how many athletes do you know self-sabotage? Yeah. Like, not, Most no. of us probably, right. It's, it's certainly at some point, you know, I think we, that's such a pervasive issue. You decide that you decide how, you know, and you touched on this, but you decide how the outcome is going to play out before, before you start to execute, you know, and that's, that's never, that's, you're always going to limit yourself, right. Typically it's not going to, it's not going to be in your favor probably. Um, exactly. yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, that's a good point. Like what's your, this kind of, you know, mentality coming into, I mean, even just workouts, you know, I think you, you, you said this earlier is like, uh, I mean, yeah, you were talking about your, you know, young, that young, um, woman that you coach and, you know, her kind of mindset going in, but you know, so many athletes, 
struggle with, you know, they look ahead on their training calendar and they, and they decide, you know, whether or not it's, it's within their ability level or, you know, whether or not they're going to reach their full potential in that workout. And of course we can extrapolate that same feeling to, to, you know, an event day or breakthrough workouts or something like a threshold test, right? We see this happen all the time with maximal effort tests where you've decided already, you know, an athlete's decided already that it is or isn't going to go a certain way. Um, and, um, yeah, what's, I think maybe for like parting words, like what's your, what's your advice or kind of tools that you try to provide athletes to help them just have that, you know, you really just want to go in like open-minded as, as much as, you know, I mean, that's easier said than done, but like to, to clear, try to clear those expectations and, and idea of how it's going to look and feel and just kind of let your body set the pace. And I don't know, how do you, how do you try to set athletes up in that space where they can really realize their potential and not be limited by, by what they, you know, their expectations around, around a particular session or day? Oh man, that's a great question. Because you know, there's so many different things. I think the number of their biggest challenge is getting the athlete to even recognize that they're doing it. You know, I mean, you know, I think so many of us we don't we don't really necessarily have uh, you know, an under an understanding of our bad habits and the ways that we self-sabotage. So, you know, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta find a way to get a, get the athlete to recognize it and take inventory. Um, so, uh, so I'll, I'll just give you a small example here to kind of finish, you know, when the way today's plan started, it was, uh, it was a cycling platform and one of the first major teams to come over to it, uh, was, uh, team sky. And we built, we built the system. We built a, did a lot of custom stuff that we built for them. And we even built them an app. And in that app, it opens up and there's one, one simple question and that's all it is. So maybe this is, this will help athletes. It's, it just asks them, are you ready to ride? Hmm. And that's it. They found like with all these metrics and different things, subjectives we can just ask them, are you ready to ride? And if they said no, well, every every member of the, the team Sky admin, you know, the team director, uh, all the support staff, boom, they got their phone blows up. Uh, you know, Chris Froome says he's not ready to ride. You know, Garon Thomas says he's not ready to ride. Something's up. Okay, well, that's in training camps. That's in. That's when they're at the tour. All those things. So, you know that, and then with that, it became time to. Okay, let's address it. Why? Why are you not ready to ride? Um, so maybe it's, you know, you can replace ride with workout or run or swim or lift, you know, are you ready? If you're not, okay, well, why not? Well, is it, is it that you're, that you are ready? You're just not confident in your ability to execute it. Um, okay, well come up with a plan. And that's, like I say, that's kind of the thing with, with Ben where I know, when he gives me a four out of 10, when he wakes up in the morning, well, if that's a day where we've got some key sessions, I want to, you know, I want to talk to him before the, before those and say, okay, you know, just work into the first few, see how you're doing. And if you're going downhill, we, we cut the workout off. That's it. That's, that's all the work we can get today. If it's going well, keep on going, you know, just that small thing, but you know, an athlete has to be able and have the tools 
to be able uh, to take inventory at first. And I think that's really the key. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's uh, it's good. Uh, good, good parting wisdom. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, and I, you you touched on it too. And I, I'll just uh, you know, I think I like that idea of like being flexible within a particular session too. Like knowing that 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 those expectations or those feelings can change, right? So you go in, hey, this is a four out of ten, but once you get rolling, maybe it's a six out of ten, right? Seven, okay, well maybe. Maybe, you know, we said 45 minutes. Well, okay, well, you know, but I'll, maybe I'll, you know, I'm feeling good. Maybe I'll go for an hour or something. So knowing that there's flexibility in there too, it's not just, you know, about nailing down a particular duration or, you know, like just letting your your body kind of set the pace and more, more specifically letting your mind set the pace and then allowing your body the opportunity to follow, right? Versus, versus putting these hard stops and deciding ahead of time. But, um, yeah. Well, thanks, Jim. Man, you're, uh, um, I, I love it. You know, um, the, the blend of, uh, of data and, and subjective and, um, yeah, couldn't be more excited to, to chat about it. So I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Sure. Thanks for having me. Great conversation.